This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Stock Doctor. Fundies called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Andrew Mitchell, great to have you back on uh, on Talk Your Book. You're uh, a heavyweight in the funds management scene, so we were wrapped that you agreed to come back on again and have a chat. Well, thanks very much for having me, Chris, in these interesting times. And uh, what stock do you want to talk about today? So today I'm going to be talking about a another small cap, a smaller company for ourselves, but we think it's a very interesting company uh, called Austel, uh, which is a manufacturer of uh, Navy vessels for the Australian and the US Navy, and also fast ferries, which is a smaller part of its business, which it manufactures in the Philippines, Vietnam and Australia. And whereabouts are their shipyards? So the main shipyard is in Mobile, Alabama. They manufacture there currently two vessels for the US Navy. So they're under contract. Uh, an EPF, this is the smaller of the two vessels. This is a transport vessel for personnel. It's a very fast ship. This is what they specialize in. Can keep up with the aircraft carriers or hold its ground anyway. Um, and the LCS which is uh, really like a frigate. It's a smaller than a destroyer boat that really fits into where um, the US Navy is at the moment. But that uh, vessel um, will stop being manufactured in 2024. And that's where the opportunity uh, lies for Austell. So we'll talk about their business model, their unit economics in a second, but is such so much talk currently around globalization versus localization and a, a focus for countries to bring manufacturing back to their shores and, and owned and operated by companies based on their shores how do you feel about an australian company operating uh you know, such a big operation in an overseas market in the us i'm completely comfortable i it's Australian owned, the shipyard, as is Finkia Terry, which is another um, shipyard, which is in Wisconsin, but it employs US people. Um, I've been to Mobile, Alabama, where Austell is. Austell is huge. It's the second biggest town in uh, Alabama, and it's all about Austell there. You can see along this little river or canal that they have there, there's the big Austell shipbuilding facilities. And it's very important. It employs a lot of people downstream. And as I said, as I walked around uh, town and I said I was there to see Austell, people didn't actually realise it was an Australian company, but everyone knows Austell. It's the, it's the, um, the heart of um, uh, Mobile, Alabama, if you like. And so they're huge projects and, and ships that they build. In the end, it's 10% of the margin goes to... Austell Hedco, all the other expenses go to the employees and the affiliate expenses. Is it fair to sort of say that the government's main focus is around the jobs and the wealth that that creates more so than the end profit margin that the company yeah, owes? That's right. So they're about, so the, the way that the US Navy views uh, shipbuilding is uh, you have an industrial base. So you want to make sure that you have people who can continue to manufacture uh, ships for the US Navy, you have um, the IP in the head of Americans. 
But if that company is owned by an American company or an Australian company, they are less worried about that. However, if Austal said we're going to move our shipbuilding off uh, to Australia and build for the US Navy, then there would be that would never happen because the US Navy would say no way. So it's all about keeping people employed in the US and keeping them as a part of the industrial base. So talk us through the unit economics of uh, of a shipbuild. How long it takes to manufacture it for Austal and, and what sort of margins they make on that? Having been to uh, their shipyard and seen the other or other shipyards that they compete against, I can tell you theirs is the most modern uh, and it really works as like an assembly line where the other ones seem to be a lot more jumbled. The ships take a couple of years to build um, as they go through the assembly line and they're making three to four of these LCS ships at any one time. The EPFs, these are the transport vessels, they're a lot faster. They're a year, year and a half to build. Um, that's from cutting metal to finish. The margins that you can make on US Navy vessels, um, Huntington Ingalls, which is a big player in and is just next door in Mississippi, and I've spoken to those guys a bit as well, um, they say, look, the US Navy is happy with you making 10% margin on, on a vessel. Austell is not there at the moment, but where you make your money is early on, you generally don't make your 10%, you make your lowest margin on when you're manufacturing a boat. But as you get to the end of a program, your margins start getting uh, higher. And the reason that is, your workforce is more skilled, you've made mistakes in the past, you've learned how to fix them, so you just get better at what you do. So you see this upward trajectory in the margins, and that's why I use the 10%. They're not there at the moment, but I use the 10% margin as the, um, the uh, sort of long-term sustainable margin that you should be trying to uh, achieve as a US Navy shipbuilder. And they've obviously got pretty big commodity exposure throughout that build cycle, particularly to things like aluminium. Do they hedge that throughout the cycle or is that one of the costs that you, you're keeping an eye on throughout that? So the aluminium price is pretty hedged and so there's not any sort of significant risk that they take on those commodity prices. They know when these boats, and so they've hedged that a long, a long way out, they know when the uh, boats are coming, so they lock those, those sort of costs away. And what about their, maybe talk us through their build order book, and then why you think the market's got it wrong in terms of their valuation? We bought a lot of stock recently on the basis that in 2024, they finished um, building these LCS boats. The replacement program is a hotly discussed uh, frigate called the FFGX uh, in the US. And it was awarded, unfortunately for Austal, uh, a few weeks ago to Finkia Terry, who won it with a very low priced bid. Now, the market has sold the stock off. We had viewed that the share price that was currently trading, they were bidding against three others, so before it was awarded, we had the view that the market had basically priced in that they were not going to win that contract. The share prices subsequently sold off 10, 20% because they didn't win it. So we think it's become even cheaper and we've bought more stock. It actually fell 30, but it was off probably 20, 30% at one stage. So we were able to buy a position at a lot lower price. It has recovered a little bit since then. But the premise 
is Austell is a part of the industrial base. By 20, there is $2 billion per annum of vessels coming up that we think Austell will bid for that they are in a very good place to win. And there's a simple reason why. Finkia Terry, the big competitor uh, that didn't have their order book uh, full, is now completely full. Um, the other two players have also got very full order book. In the case of Huntington Ingalls, I think their comments are like, they're the most full they've been in 20, 30 years. So who is going to build these vessels for the US Navy? What we know about these these vessels is they need to be fast uh, and smaller vessels, which is exactly what Austell do. So we think that they're going to win a lot of work over the next uh, two, three years, and they're going to completely fill their pipeline past 2024, where people think there could be a revenue cliff. They will fill that with uh, more vessels, and they may, in fact, lead to higher revenue over that time. Meanwhile, the stock is trading in a technical terms on a 15, 16% free cash flow yield. You've got interest rates at 1%. That means by just owning this company, they're generating 15, 16% of their value in cash a year. Um, and we think that that's pretty cheap value for a business that's a part of the industrial base and we don't think is going to skip a beat in terms of its earnings for the next five, 10 years. And they've got a very strong balance sheet as well. Is, is that all required for working capital or are there some other growth opportunities they can explore with that cash pile as well? That's a really good question, uh, Chris. So they're sitting on around $150 million of cash at the moment. Their competitors, uh, if you look at the listed players like Huntington Ingalls, Finkia Terry, uh, Lockheed Martin, they've all got a lot of debt. Now, they needed that cash if they won the frigate program because the frigate program for us and that's why we were happy to invest before it that those frigates would have seen their revenue go up significantly their earnings go up significantly but they would need to use that cash to build more facilities now they don't need to build those facilities they need to work out what they will do with the cash and you mentioned their free cash flow on a, on a pe basis they're also relatively cheap or would almost be classed as a more of a value stock than a growth stock. Yeah. Do you have advice for companies in that sort of bracket when the climate is uh, perhaps more uncertain in, uh, in a market sense than it has been in recent history? We've got a bias for companies that are going to make money, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> on one side of the portfolio, you've got A2 Milk and Afterpay. And then on the other side, you've got a couple of retailers. I spoke to you before about City Chic. It's a small retailer. Um, and Austell on the value end. Now, we don't think their earnings are going to go down for the next 10 years. Putting aside if they replace the FFGX and not winning it or replace the LCS, we think that their actually earnings are going to go higher in the next couple of years. Um, and you're not paying very much for this business at all. So we think you've got earnings certainty near term and you're paying, as we said, a 15% free cash flow yield, uh, which translates to a very attractive PE um, at the value end. And we think that that's attractive to a lot of investors if they can just get over the fact 
that it hasn't won the FFGX. We know it hasn't won the FFGX, but don't worry about that because there's a lot of other stuff that they can win. So don't be so fixated that they lost that contract. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to be honest, when you, uh, when you sent the stock through a couple of nights ago, it, it did sound a bit boring. It sounds a whole lot more interesting now. So uh, thanks very much for walking through it and um, I'm going to have a deeper dive on it. Thanks very much, mate. No worries. Thank you, Chris. If you're interested in building your own investment process, make sure you check out Stock Doctor, the proud partner of Talk Your Book. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.